I'm Jen Taylor Skinner, and this is The Electorate. On this episode, I have a conversation with Rudy Garrett from Alliance for Youth Action. Rudy and I discuss the importance of bringing millions of young people together to engage in our democracy as voters, organizers, and leaders. We also talk about how building a movement centered around a young, diverse coalition of voters and organizers is the best way to strengthen our democracy. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Rudy Garrett of the Alliance for Youth Action. Rudy Garrett, welcome. Hello, thank you so much, Jen, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I have lived through a lot of presidential elections. I won't say how many, but I've lived through, <laughs> quite, <laughs> lived through quite a bit, you know, and, and the voting population, it does shift from cycle to cycle, right? But there are some things that I'll say that remain the same, but the youngest voters are almost always less engaged than the older voters, right? And I don't mean just engage as in they show up to vote, but I mean just throughout the entire cycle, right? In the political discourse, you know, but there is something different <laughs> about Gen Z. They're talking about like saving democracy. They're starting movements. They're trying to stop gun violence. You know, they're trying to save the planet. Yeah. When I was 18, the word democracy did not come, <laughs> did no. not come out of my mouth, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, what is it about this generation that makes them so different from similar age groups in past election cycles? I think that the current environments that they're living in is definitely a main contributing factor to folks perking up their ears and recognizing, oh, wow, there is something to me going to the ballot box and casting a ballot and being a part of this process. Um, yes, young people typically are a farther separated from the actual political process, but they're very much so tuned in to what's happening on the local level and issues that are impacting their everyday lived experience. So just because they're not voting does not mean that they don't care. It does not mean that they don't know what's going on around them. It's the investment in that system of voting that has been a, a gap that folks have been trying to bridge. And I think some of the issues that are, like you've mentioned, that are bringing folks to the ballot box, bringing young people to the ballot box, include things like climate change, include things like gun violence, include things like a woman's right to choose. You're seeing all of these things directly impacting young people in a very real way based on what's been moving nationally. I know that I owe the government some money this weekend as student <laughs> loans are back up and running. The government may shut down, but they said, girl, don't forget, you still need to run me some coins. So these are real things impacting young people's lives, their ability to like pay rent, their ability to pay back their loans. And so their everyday lived experiences are definitely being challenged. We are coming out, we're still in the throes and coming out of a global pandemic and what that looks like and how that's impacted our learning, impacted how we engage with one another. So a lot of young people's lived experiences have been rattled since the last presidential election. And that I think is really perking folks ears to what's happening in 2024 and what is guiding young people to the ballot box more than ever. You know, I keep thinking back about the time when, you know, the Vietnam War and there was lots of political activism amongst, you know, young people, right? But there wasn't this connection between like the veteran politicians who were running things and making the decisions and the people who were in the streets. But there seems to be something different this time. There seems to be. And this is just, again, just my observation. I've noticed that there's this nice symbiosis between the younger generations and the veterans, right? I do see there's always been an attempt, especially after Barack Obama, to try to meet young people where they're at. There's always been that, that effort there. And I'm seeing a little bit stronger alignment in that outreach. Vice President Harris has gone to, I believe it's like seven colleges. That's the full tour breadth of that five 
local organizations within the Alliance Network are in those spaces and have kind of like made sure that they made their presence known and made their way to that decision-making table. Also, you're seeing a lot of Democrats recognize that young people are issue voters. And so they're trying to respond with national initiatives. For example, the White House rolling out uh, the America Climate Corps, trying to meet young people in more appropriate ways and giving them the skills that they're asking for versus trying to guess what they care about and reach them where they're at and tell them what to care about. But instead, seeing what young people are hitting the streets about and trying to create initiatives that engage them more intentionally. So that's kind of the connection that I'm seeing a little bit more versus trying to yell into the ether and see what gets picked up on TikTok or back back in what 2020 it was on Instagram and on all of our social media and all of our Netflix accounts trying to run ads this, trying to reach us in more tangible ways. Yeah. That 2020 that was ages ago, right? <laughs> it feels like yesterday, I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm like, "Wait, it's 2024 again. Oh wow. Here we go." It's like the olden days of Instagram, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So what was the culture when this work was started? When you started this work, what was the culture of political engagement amongst this constituency? Was there some reticence? Have you seen it shift over the years, over the I guess the years that you've been involved or over the past 10 years? Absolutely. I think the investment in hyper-local grassroots organizing is really the key that has been creating that difference and bridging that gap. So the Alliance was founded or incorporated, I should say, in 2013. And the goal was to bridge the gap between young people and what's happening politically and making sure that young people's voices are being heard. Because you can see young people rank very high in actually engaging in civic conversation. Uh, so that means taking action on social media. That means having a conversation with family and friends. But they did not rank very high in actually getting out and voting. And so making the connection between the impact of voting and the impact of accountability work on the local, state, and federal level to the change that you want to see and those issues being remedied is where the alliance kind of fits in. So the alliance right now is a 19 network organization, folks all across the country that care very deeply about how to engage young people in their own specific spaces and uplifting their ability to have power in their communities to make the change that they want to see. And they do that through really awesome, unique civic holidays like National Voter Registration Day, of which the Alliance was a co-founder of back in 2016. And since then, we've seen the voter registration rates increase, voter turnout increase for young people. And what's really cool and what I see as a huge potential is based on the census, if young people turn out like they did in 2020, then they will represent one over one third, about 37% of the electorate, which is like, wow. that is a lot of power to have in one sitting. And I can see young people very excited to take that helm and take on that responsibility. Well, that's amazing. Actually, one third that would be huge. That'd be a yeah. huge. That would be paradigm shifting, actually, right. in, in the in the political sphere. So, I was talking to someone a few years ago during the, one of the major cycles about they do similar work and they were trying to engage young people, but through technology. So it's a different org, and their aim was to change the culture of voting with these young people. You know, to make it cool. I mean, is that do you have a similar aim? Absolutely. So some great examples actually happened during National Voter Registration Day, recognizing that. Young people have been taught or we have culturally been taught to believe that politics happens in specific spaces that typically are not comfortable for or do not usher in young people. And so National Voter Registration Day, the whole purpose of that 
historic fun event is to create hyper-local engaging activities that young people actually want to go to. So for example, our folks in Nevada, Asian Communities Development Council, they hosted an event where you could A, bring your dog to get registered to vote and get free boba. <laughs> Who doesn't want boba tea? Folks wait, wait, wait. That. The dogs aren't registering, right? That you, we no, the dogs are okay. coming for emotional support for their families. Because <laughs> okay. who doesn't want to get their, their dog children together as a community? And then also exactly. drink some boba tea. They were like folks in Detroit, folks in Miami, folks all across Texas were on college campuses hosting really fun tabling events that had games, candy, anything that young people would actually want to engage with versus just posting on social media, hey, you should come get registered to vote, use this online link to click here, come actually engage with people, come talk about issues that you care about, and do activities that actually sound fun versus just clicking a link. I think we recognize that face-to-face engagement is the most impactful way to bring folks into a more civic mindset and to build community. So that's really what National Voter Registration Day is about. It's not just about registering. It's about registering for a purpose. It's about coming together and taking collective action and doing something for your peers, your family, and your friends to build something that is more sustainable and represents your values. And young people do hold very deep progressive values. So showing how voting can take, can be that one step to doing that. I don't know if you have this data, but I'm curious as to at these events, what's the average age? Are you seeing really young voters like 18 or are they more in their twenties? And I'm, and the reason I'm asking that is because when you said, you know, people are, really want to get out and they want to engage with people. If we're talking about the youngest, the youngest sect of this, this group, right. Who were 18, they were pretty young during the past three years during the pandemic, right? And their involvement in the political process is, you know, it's a completely different lens from you and me. So, you know, what what are you seeing that that age group? Are you, you getting really young people out? Um, so what we're definitely seeing is young people between the ages of 17 and 35 registering for okay. sure. A lot of our efforts are con- concentrated on college campuses and in high schools. So that specific 17 to around 25 range. We've registered just over 10,000 young people this year all across the country. And that's just, you know, us stretching and getting started before we go into 2024. So it's a very exciting place to be, seeing that interest coming from young people, recognizing that like, what's one thing that you can do when you turn 18, you can register to vote. So that's like the easiest foot in the door activity for folks to do. And we're definitely seeing young people now coming out of the pandemic and recognizing and making that connection that this is one thing I can do to make my voice heard. And in the same way that young people are very drawn to direct action and hitting the streets, that being one of the tools in their tool belt that they're using to make sure that their voice is heard. One of the initiatives, one of your initiatives is called Democracy Done Right, right? Yes. Yeah. And and I know that its aim is to fix our voting system. And I think in the, the description of it, you say that, you know, the current voting system, and I would agree, is, is, is still fit for the 19th century, for 19th century white landowners. Yes. <laughs> so absolutely. can you explain that and explain what Democracy Done Right is? So Democracy Done Right is uh, pushing our election officials, pushing our our people in power to make voting more accessible for those most vulnerable in our community. Uh, I know that you had a close friend of yours, Kat, on your last podcast talking about the importance of having IDs. 
those are some of the barriers that young people are also facing very real in their life. Do they know how to register to vote? Do they understand how to navigate just getting to the ballot box? Do they know how to navigate the the more technical elements of casting a ballot? Mm -hmm. Those are really big challenges that young people are facing now for the first time. And Democracy Done Right is a platform that we are trying to use across our country to ensure that young people have better access and have equitable access to the ballot box. Because like you said, this has not been a system that has been set up for everyone to be successful. You have to know all the right steps and take them in the right amount of time. Voter registration is so different state to state. And so our folks in Texas and Move Texas have a really challenging experience. Our folks in New Hampshire with New Hampshire Youth Collective also have a really tough experience just getting folks registered because of the rules and regulations that they have in their state. And so the the whole initiative is meant to break down the barriers that are unnecessary and not productive to helping young people have access to the ballot box that everybody else should have access to. You shouldn't be a white landowning man in 2023 to be able to access your right to vote. That would be very limiting, right? (laughs) Yeah. We wouldn't have a lot of people out voting. Um, But, you know, I'm curious, I was reading through the initiative and I know you have um, a petition and there are some specific reforms that you're asking for. And I'm curious as to if you if you could name some of those. But, you know, before we go into that, I just I was thinking about the, the way we vote now. And again, in my lifetime, there have not been many updates to how we vote. And I was reading something recently about the microwave, like this this appliance that, you know, came onto the scene in the 80s. And it really hasn't changed. Like it has the same buttons that it had back in 1981. And it's just one of those things that have kind of remained the same. And it reminded me of voting, right? Like I've been voting the same way my entire life, right? With all of this technology we have, we haven't really updated it. And I think like the most changes I've seen in my lifetime were during the pandemic, when a lot of people couldn't get out, right? And a lot of, you know, states, they kind of implemented this, you know, vote by mail and they kind of modernized it, but they were forced to. So I'm curious as to what specific modern reforms you think would help. So I know that many of our local affiliates, to name a few, Next Up Oregon, New Era Colorado, and Chicago Votes are groups that have worked with their local coalitions to pass really awesome initiatives like automatic voter registration, which is a key pillar of our petition, which just states that every eligible citizen is automatically registered with up-to-date information from agencies like their Department of Motor Vehicles. So when they go to get a state ID or a driver's license, if you are giving the government information that is also necessary to be registered to vote, why have to take that extra step to go fill out a piece of paper if you're already providing all of the necessary documentation to also be registered to vote? So just making those engagements with government agencies more effortless and making the opportunity to vote easy, more easeful for folks. Also making sure that we aren't purging people from voter rolls. That right. often happens either just due to inactivity or due to incarceration status. Those are also two very important things that across the country folks are trying to fight for. And then also ensuring that if folks are going to come up to the 18 mark, mm-hmm. if you are li- if you live in a state that allows 17-year-olds to, to register and vote in primary elections, that we are also pre-registering folks to vote. If folks are up 
in line, why make them have to show up on their 18th birthday, even though it is a really fun and like can be a really engaging way to like I remember I was very nerdy when I was young and I could not wait to register to vote. I am one of those people, Jen, I don't know if you were, but I was like, <laughs> let's do it. I also turned 18 during the 2008 election. So it was a different energy than I think a lot of other folks had in a positive way that made me really excited to vote. But some folks, if they don't have that vigor and that excitement, or they don't have people stewarding them through that process, a pre-registration option would be super helpful for a lot of young people, which is another element of the petition. And then also making sure that everybody has a diversity of voting options. Like you were talking mm -hmm. about during the pandemic, um, having ballot drop boxes for folks that do want a more secure way to drop off their ballot versus just sending it in the mail um, or having uh, extended early vote hours for folks that need a little bit of extra time to make a plan because they have busy lives to be able to go and vote. Young people are not a monolith. Like if they don't get an opportunity to vote with a fun school field trip or don't have a parent to steward them or they're a young worker and don't have easy working hours or they have children or dependents that they have to care for, sometimes you need a little bit of extra time to be able to make those plans and get out and vote. So making sure that there are a diversity of options that fit all young people, not just some young people. Yeah, that's such an excellent point. Um, you know, saying that young people are not a monolith and you just made me think about that, that, you know, all people aren't, all young people aren't at college campuses and get a chance to be <laughs> encouraged by the vice president to vote, right? Some of them are, you know, out there working, you know, I was working at McDonald's when I was 16 years old, so you wouldn't have to go there to meet me. <laughs> Girl, I was a dairy queen. I know what you're talking about. I was yeah. at the local Kroger in Indiana frying yeah. up some fried chicken and nobody was trying to get me registered to vote there. That's right. But That's right. <laughs> But the cool part is, is we're seeing like hyper local organizers deciding like young people, we can go to colleges, we can go to high schools, we can go to like really fun events like festivals in the summertime, but sometimes setting up a voter registration table or just a voter information table outside of a grocery store or a community center can be just as impactful, which is why investing in hyper local organizing is so important because you're giving the organizations who are going to try to meet young people from diverse backgrounds where they are at, go and knock on their door and have some conversations with them on a Saturday, that is going to get young people more engaged than anything else. And that is just another pitch for fun, local youth organizing. Please, if you want to see positive change, this is the way to do it. Funding young people and their ability to reach their peers and have authentic and like very deep relationship building conversations 365 is the only way we're going to do it. Right. That's, and that's really good. I'm glad you're breaking down those kind of class barriers that we've seen with, yeah. you know, um, political engagement. You know, and I'm curious as to, you know, how these reforms, you know, what vehicle they would take. And you may, you may not have an answer for this, but are we looking at the reinstatement of some of the provisions of the Voting Rights Act or these new laws? I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I talk about this a lot and no one has an answer, but I'm curious as to what you think. For me and my early political education, it's funny. That's like something it's, are we both laying in bed at night thinking about this? Because I feel like that's what would be keeping me up. I'm um, like the voter ID laws that we saw get passed all through the South right after that happened to me is like, that is the story that when I, I actually am very blessed. I just started with the Alliance about a month ago, but I'm okay. not new to this network. I mm -hmm. am 
was originally from our local Chicago affiliate, Chicago Votes in Chicago, Illinois. I still live here and I'm still very much so close to that organization. And when I learned about why EVR was so important, why same day voter registration was so important, it was taught to me through the lens of like, let's look at something as simple as an ID and how it can create such a substantial barrier to a young person accessing the ballot and being able to participate like a quote unquote average voter. And that case was what was presented to me. And it was like, okay, let's talk about the places that have the ability to set their own laws and regulations around voting and also have the ability of funding local DMVs. And you'd think that those two institutions don't mix and that the only thing that's really making them mix is this movement for automatic voter registration, but it's not. And it's far more nefarious and it's far more strategic than I think anyone would automatically assume. But when you look at it, it, the to me, the writing is on the law. Oh, you're going to defund DMVs in very particular areas to ensure that certain folks don't have access to an ID. So when elections come around, you don't have to have poll taxes. You don't have to have literacy tests. You already have something baked in to your budget that makes sure that like the most vulnerable don't have access. So I think paying very strict attention to what is happening on your state level, not just voting again. I keep referring to it. It's like a foot in the door to civic engagement, to being like an invested member of like the people you care about and accountability for what's happening on the local and state level and holding your elected officials accountable and watching what comes across their desk to me is the most important element of being an involved member of your community because you a have the ability to proactively bring up issues to local officials and say here's what we're experiencing can we come up with a solution with you but also being like hey i noticed this thing is happening not sure if you know the impacts (laughs) on us little people but let's have a conversation about it and if we need to mobilize and organize around it let's do that to make sure people are protected and are safe so for me it's local accountability local campaigns and making sure that we're watching what's happening on a local level to ensure that people are protected on a day-to-day basis yeah i don't know if it's sad or if it's a good thing that this keeps us up at night like every every episode that i have i was like jen don't mention shelby beholder don't and i, and I always here we go I always talk about it like, i i we are on the same i cannot express to you how on the same page we're because every young person that graduated from a leadership development program that was i was like let's just talk about voter id laws for a second and i know it's going to sound boring but listen i really yeah. think it's important so we are on the same wavelength if folks have other issues that keep them up at night that you know impact young people, but are like, they seem so insignificant, but are like very easy, easily trackable, reconcilable issues with a piece of legislation, like throw in the comments, let us know. Because I think yeah. it's like, there are so many more things that could be keeping us up at night, but also like giving us that fuel and that energy to fight for the things and make lives, people's lives better, honestly. I know one of your annual reports, you state that Gen Z saved democracy in 2022, and presumably you're referring to the the midterms right you know democracy is still at risk you know um we saved it 
but it's, you know, under attack every day. And I wonder what you think, you know, what your predictions are for 2024. Will we see similar numbers? You know, what, what's on the horizon from your perspective? From my perspective, what I'm seeing is a lot like on those, those big states like Michigan, Florida, Wisconsin, folks are gearing up and getting ready all mm-hmm. like right now. Like it's right. a stay ready so you don't have to get ready type situation. And that's, and I definitely see a forward momentum, especially around like, local issues that are really going to push people to the ballot box and crossing fingers and toes 2020 numbers. That's at least the trend that we're seeing. We're seeing that young people are actually queuing in. We're seeing a lot of people taking collective action, not just in direct actions, but also online actions, petitions, registering to vote. So yes, I do see, and I do have a lot of faith in what's going to happen in 2024. Yeah, you know, there was, if I have the numbers in my head correctly, you know, 2020 was a big, big turnout, right? There are obvious reasons why that was a big turnout year. Um, 2022, there was a little dip, I think, in youth turnout, a little dip, not not a big dip, right? But I'm hopeful because 2024 is a presidential election cycle. So I'm really hopeful. No, t- absolutely. And I know that our local affiliates do work to strive to increase turnout in those off, like off-year elections, if you mm-hmm. will. If you think that voting in midterms are low, then even it's not just the young people problem it's, it's just like it's an everybody problem but voting in hyper local elections the ones that really impact your day-to-day life and so i think that's why the investment in like the hyper local grassroots angle is the most effective because it's teaching it's not just like asking people to vote it's like year-round engagement around issues that young people experience and then also like preparing young folks and teaching them things that they may not have already learned in school as we see a diversity in learning expectations from state to state we aren't like we can't guarantee that everyone's getting the same level of civic education and so i think that the year-round engagement is really that key turning point that allows young people to understand the investment in the process and why it is an important step to take. And I'm seeing that now more than ever because you're seeing really unique initiatives cropping up across the country of getting young folks involved, hosting like really fun, engaging happy hours to have young folks come and talk about issues, hosting parties at the polls, parades to the polls, trying to integrate really fun and innovative ways to take first-time voters to create that long-term and sustainable commitment to voting in elections. So how can people get involved with the Alliance? What would you like people to do as we you know, get closer to the 2024 election? Absolutely. If you are not registered to vote already, get registered. If you are unsure about your voter registration status, if you've moved recently, make sure that you check up on your voter registration. And you can do that at allianceforyouthaction.org slash vote ready. At that space, you can register to vote. You can look up your upcoming elections and make a plan to vote and also sign our petition to help support protecting democracy. And then also making sure that you are reaching out, texting friends and family, making sure they are registered to vote. It's a not just your responsibility. It's all of our responsibility to make sure that we are getting to the ballot box and making sure that our values and our issues are heard there. So make sure that you get registered to vote and then also head to the allianceforyouthaction.org and look up a local affiliate. We have 19 unique organizations across the country that you can get involved in, that you can donate to, to actually start to build the communities that you want to see and to take more collective action on a local level. So come check us out and make sure that you 
you follow us across all of our platforms at the Alliance for Youth Action because we have really amazing young people doing really, really inspiring work. And who doesn't want to open their timeline and see something positive and see young people making a change? Well, Rudy Garrett, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And hopefully, again, I'll get to talk to you again as we get closer to the election. Awesome. I can't wait. And thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to uplift the really powerful work of the Alliance Network. And hopefully we'll talk again soon.